Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast, where we're having ongoing digital discipleship conversations about when and where the kingdom and the culture collide. So the Bible says a bunch of stuff about discipline. It's not all directly the word discipline. Uh, The Bible uses the word in the New King James discipline twice. It uses correction 18 times, rebuke 70 times, chastening nine times. And I did not look at instruction, but instruction is another type of rebuke, correction, uh, training. Uh, so that's something. So the Bible speaks about it, and um, the, the the language that is used in Proverbs is very like life and death. Like he who hates correction will die. Like it's, it's like it's pretty <laughs> extreme. And one of the ways that God expresses His love to His kids is that He warns us. And so that's one of the primary expressions of love in the New Testament is warning. And he's warning us so that we don't have to uh, receive the what if. And so um, Proverbs 15, 10, here's one. It says, harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. I mean, that's pretty, um, pretty extreme. But it's clear that correction could literally save your life. And... Um, we have to, as believers in Jesus, we have to really have self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's the last one that's lift, uh, listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And uh, I think it's the one that takes the longest to grow. Um, and it's really imperative, especially in this season now, where immorality is very rampant, that we have self-control over um, you know sexuality, our sexuality, our desires, our speech. Uh, this is just something that's really important. Monica, what, what were you checking out in Corinthians as it relates to that? So First Corinthians 6, where Paul is writing, and he says um, in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are brought with a price. So glorify your God in your body. I should have said bought. And this is from the ESV. So he Paul is telling the Corinthians... Um, flee from sexual immorality and with with sexual immorality if you put yourself in a frying pan you can get burned um billy graham had a open door policy where he never met with women alone and i think that that is extremely wise because the bible is clear about even running from the appearance of evil and so i'm not demonizing women uh, I'm just simply saying that you want to be above reproach. You don't want to put yourself in a position that makes you vulnerable, and you don't want to put a, a sister in the Lord, right? You don't want to put a woman in a position where she 
uh, is vulnerable in an unnecessary way. And so I think that it's just wise to simply draw safe and clear boundaries. I think that that's what wisdom does. But Paul is even, the, the language that he's using here is not like, it's, not, it's beyond drawing boundaries. He's like, run, like mm-hmm. flee. And so I think that that's really um, important, which is very the opposite of the Greek perverse Corinthian culture that he's writing to. And so you have to remember one thing that at the Greek temples, the gymnasium, everybody was naked, walking around naked, and at the Greek temples and at these feasts were were sexual immorality was rampant, even when he's talking about food sacrifice to idols, that's in the context of orgies, gay orgies, and this is like public stuff, like this is like right out in the open. So one of the ways that the early Christians were identified is by what they chose not to participate in and participate with and so he's saying like run from that and then he explains why and i think that that's important when like if people don't know what they're suffering for they won't be willing to suffer long and sometimes saying no to yourself is is a difficult thing but your body is the temple of the holy spirit so that's one second you're bought with a price you're not your own so you know when people come to church even like people who are not like church people i'll use a catholic church because it has that like ooh, has that like oh you know like it has that like there's like a sense of reverence there you know as the big old school building the high ceilings like like there's something about even just the setting of the building where people come in there kind of like in a little bit of a reverence like people are not going to like be thinking about like having sex in that building right I mean, hopefully, if you're thinking about that, you're pretty twisted. There might be some. But generally, there's a level of respect for the building. Um, and yet, we don't respect the building. And I think that that's something that we have to really think about, that when you're you're engaging in sexual morality, you're desecrating the temple. And I think that that's really um, a good way to think about it because there is like a sacredness not just to us gathering as a church body together in a building, but Jesus wanting to live on the inside of of us. And so our bodies were made to glorify God, not just to live for pleasure or perversion um, or or immorality. And, And I think that this is a very, very important thing within our culture and within this current moment. Um, DK, what what are your thoughts in terms of the idea of temple? Yeah, I mean, when I think about Paul sharing this with the Corinthians, he's actually pointing to the fact that there's a new creation that just began, and it's this is one of the ways to exemplify that. Like we have to live out the new created ways today. So when he's saying like, um, you know, is, if it's permissible, it's not beneficial. You know, the culture was saying that it's permissible, like it was expected. Like you said, the banquets and the feasts. I also read that like they had traveling brothels to Corinth. And when they came, everyone was expected to participate. And it just makes me think a lot about even today where sex, it's like you're expected to have sex. And, you know, it's really about is it harmful or not? And say so if it's not, if you're not harming anyone, what's the what's the problem? So in, in the culture saying it's permissible, but yeah. we're, but we're saying it's not because it's not beneficial. And, yeah. I, and I think what people don't really understand is sex has a, a spiritual bonding as well, yeah. where, where it's, it's harmful when you make that bond. 
and you break it, yep. yeah, it's, it's it's harmful to yeah. your soul. You know, Paul talking about that. He said when you you know sleeping with a prostitute, you become one spirit. Yeah. You know, and so how many people has she slept with, or how many people has she been taken advantage of by? Mm-hmm. You know, most people don't wake up and go, yeah, I'd like to be a prostitute. Like, yeah. you're talking about abuse and 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 really messed up stuff, and then, so then you embracing that. And and that that's how people catch demons, mm-hmm. not just diseases. Um, yeah, you know that's something. And 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 another thing that I'm thinking of too, uh, I'm thinking about what N.T. Wright said: what Sabbath is to time, mm. temple is to space. Yeah, and there has to be a level of sacredness in our life, and and I think that our sexuality is actually something that is sacred. And the reason I say that is because by God's grace. There, there is life that is created, mm-hmm. that, and so like there's no other possible way to create life that is God ordained. Not to say that you know if someone is having trouble and, and they seek help or whatever, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. But I'm saying like God ordained a man and a woman have sex, and for that to be enjoyable, and for that to be fruitful, and for that to create a legacy. Yeah. And you know one of the things that's really interesting too when you think of a man and a woman coming together making children, is in the age to come, when Jesus talked about the age to come, he said that you're neither married nor given in marriage, but like the angels. So like when I die, when we die, and, and or the Lord comes, I'm not going to be married to my wife in that sense. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's really fascinating is the children that we created together, if they're born again, which they are, and they shall stay, Yeah, they will exist forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. And God made them forever. And, but he helped us start yeah. that process. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like what you're building together is eternal, mm-hmm. you know, as a husband and a wife. And that, that yeah. starts yeah. with being fruitful and multiplying. Yeah. And so it is an act of sacred, it is sacred. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that should be understood, needs to be understood. And it's actually one of the ways that you glorify God with your body. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is you you know you have sex with your wife in in the context of marriage. That's actually something that does produce glory and it does produce legacy. And there's something beautiful and sacred to that. And there is, like you said earlier, there's a level of bonding that comes with that. Um, and and I find you know that even like even when you're married and, and it's and it's God, like even the sex is different. Like f- yeah. for me, if I can just you know just say it uh in in not so many words but like in the world i was just having sex for me like i really didn't care like Mm -hmm. it was just like not yeah but in the context of marriage it's it's more like you know are you are you like are you good like it's really to be honest it's a little bit of a it's it's actually a different thing because one is holy and sanctioned by god and is motivated by self-giving love not by lust that just wants to take And so, so even in the context of that, it's very, very different. And so, but all of this goes back to you were bought with a price, yeah. which means you are not your own, which means we are his temple. He has chosen to live in us, mm-hmm. making us sacred space. Yeah. Yeah. So how we live matters. And if we live well in this present age, that, is, that determines if we are giving glory to God by how we live Mm -hmm. and i think that that's very very important paul said something similar to all this when he was talking in um first corinthians 9 where he talks about um beating the body and he he uses the race metaphor 
and then he he switches it into a fight. Um, this is First um, Corinthians nine twenty four. He says, "Do you not know that those who all who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it." And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. So he's saying that if you're a competitor athletically, you're going to be temperate if you really want to win. So guys who are like getting drunk, getting high, getting, you know, acting up, those guys are not really serious about bringing their A game. Mm -hmm. Because their A game, in terms of running, lifting, or fighting, one of the most important parts of that is actually recovery. There's a guy, his name is Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall was the first man to pull 500 kilograms off the floor, which is 1,102 pounds. And so that's a massive amount of weight. I mean, anything over 500 pounds is, is heavy. So that's like, just like two strong people in, in one person. Mm -hmm. and, and he was, you know, 440 pounds, just a monster of a guy. And when they asked him, you know, how one of the first things that he talked about was recovery. Mm. And uh, I, I thought that that was a very fascinating thing. So being temperate and using self-control in athletics or sports is actually saying that you really want to win and you mean business. Yeah. So there's a, there's a story, this is a natural story, but I, it's always fascinating to me. It's 1992, the dream team is in Barcelona, Spain, and they come to the practice, uh, you know, arena where they're practicing, and they walk in, and they see Michael Jordan. The whole team walks in together, and he's he's in there, and they said, "Hey, man, what's going on?" He's like, "What's up?" And and they found out he was there one hour before all of them, and that's why he's their captain, and he he was he was him because he was not playing. He, he was gonna bring something extra, and there was a level of, of preparation that that required. Okay, now let's continue. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So he's talking about those who are preparing to compete, they're doing it for something that perishes, but what we're being temperate and we're using self-control is something that does not perish. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, so he's saying like, okay, you're running a race. You don't know if you're going to win that race, right? Therefore, I thus I, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So he's speaking of boxing. You, I don't know if you've seen people shadow boxing or you see there's sometimes there's someone who's not healthy mentally in the gym and he's just punching the air and you look, everyone's kind of looking at him like, I hope he doesn't start <laughs> throwing plates around. Um, you know, and so it's kind of like, eh. but he's saying, I, I, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Last one I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This is why I said without discipline, we disqualify ourselves. So he's he is his fight is is to bring his body into subjection so his body serves the purposes of God and glorifies God through the life that he lives. Mm. Now if you follow this through, he's going to begin to talk about the temptation in the wilderness, idols, sexual immorality again comes up. 
So these are not disconnected. These ideas flow together. The idea of being the temple, the idea of being temperate in all things, the idea of beating your body, which is not physically hitting your body. Like I'm not talking about mentally psycho stuff. But what he's saying is I have mastery over myself, self-control, discipline. This is a very, very important thing because sexual immorality does in fact disqualify people from ministry. That's a fact. The scripture is really clear that we should live above reproach. Uh, we should run from the appearance of evil. The scripture is clear about fleeing from immorality, about uh, idolaters and uh, those who are sexually immoral do not inherit the kingdom of God. So this, I know that we don't want to talk about this and the church now will say, okay, gay, trans, that's sin, that's sin. And that's true, but what about sexual immorality? There was, there was another pastor today arrested for groping women in one-on-one -on -one prayer, you know, sessions. Okay, one-on-one -on -one prayer session, red flag. Yeah. First red flag. And I'm not going to share his name because it's not, that's not what's relevant. But what's relevant is that we learn the lessons and that we have self-control and we administer self-control. And if we don't, it's going to hurt us. Um, I, I, I'm thinking now of uh, Proverbs 3 where it says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his discipline. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And this, this, is, this is basic correction and discipline. I think the King James word is chastisement. Mm -hmm. uh, that is actually an expression of love. So what's not an expression of love is if I neglect to discipline my children or I neglect to be responsible for what God is gonna hold me responsible for. That's not love. Mm -hmm. Neglect is not love, neglect is abuse. Yeah. Um, so in our culture where everyone wants to be canceled and we wanna cancel people, that's not really how God does things. God is about canceling debts and forgiving sins, mm -hmm. not canceling people because we don't, we don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting how you have like uh, this, the proliferation of cancel culture, soundbite culture, but yeah, yeah soft parenting. Yeah, but soft same, parenting in the same generation. Yeah, well, that but see, that's what you get. Yeah, see, that's that's what because these people cannot handle reality. Mm. There's a proverb that says that that a child left to himself brings his mother shame, and and you see that, you know, with let's say single parents, mom is working, the kid is out running crazy. Okay, that's, that's, that's sad and that's real. Many times that's an economic thing. But another thing to really consider is that you take that principle, whatever you neglect will bring shame. That's really a true, a true thing in, in our life. You neglect your finances, you don't, you, don't, you don't manage that, that'll bring you shame. You, you go and you swipe your card, you get declined, you look like crazy. You know, you could have $10 million in another account, but you look crazy and you feel dumb because whatever you neglect, it will bring shame to you. And, and I've been there, so I know how stupid feels, and I don't recommend it. I wanna bring it back just real quick to 1 Corinthians 9, 27. On my um, Blue Letter Bible app, it says that the Greek translation of 
but I discipline my body and keep it under control is I pummel my body and make it a slave. So yeah. it just goes. Mastery. Exactly, yeah, that's what I was thinking as soon as you, you had said that word mastery before. And I don't know, I just feel to, to talk about um, those who have struggled with addiction before they came to the Lord, because I think this is an area of real um, tension and real fight that folks who have dealt with that before really need to take up when they come to Jesus and really want to bring themselves under submission to his will and really be able to actually host the Holy Spirit. When it comes to living a submitted life to the Lord and coming under, you know, really the rule of of the Holy Spirit. And I'll say quickly too, in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter six, when Paul is writing about um, our body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a situation where we see the Bible referencing itself because in the Old Testament, there is the tabernacle representing uh, the place where the Spirit of God is being hosted. And now in the New Testament, New Covenant, now our body is that the tabernacle, host. the mm-hmm. host of the Holy Spirit, right? Through through the the blood and, and the, in the flesh of Jesus, right? So... When we think about it that way, we're thinking, okay, standard's pretty high. I've learned from you, Pastor, all of the criteria that the priest had to Mm -hmm. um, make sure that they lived up to in order to even walk up in there. Because they would have to, didn't they, like, they would tie a rope around their ankle? Because if they walked into that tabernacle with any sort of unconfessed sin or with any sort of um, just deformity or something um, contradicting, like literal physical deformity or anything contradicting like that law, like they would literally die in the presence of God. So, okay, hallelujah. Thank you for the opportunity to repent in mercies that are new every day. But um, yeah, I say this just to set the context for for like what, what that really means and the sanctification that in tales so i know for me personally as someone who very much struggled with self-control um you know and and really had none when it came to my finances when it came to my sexuality when it came to just my daily habits um it was really just like a sucker punch in the face to um have to learn how to say no to so many things god gave me the grace and when it came to just wilding out being a hoe um smoking weed every day (laughs) um going to the club um drinking god really took that from me um yep pretty he removed the stain yeah from you because people don't see that or feel that about you thank you jesus especially when you came in with the Aunt Jemima oh my god vibe this was a sanctification process like the lord really had me like i could just imagine him just chuckling chuckling upstairs in heaven just chuckling (laughs) at me when i really thought that like wearing pants was gonna send me to hell but i he allowed (laughs) me to go go through that process because i was gonna go to the club with no pants so he allowed me to go through that because I, I needed to be to be made holy. Um, so I went from one extreme to the other, and I thank God for that because there were so many things that He was building up in me and showing me in that time. And I, I, every little bit of who I was had to be stripped away. But um, there's something that uh, um, amazing pastor, um, minister, writer, author. 
um, Rob Reamer um, says, and he talks about in his book, um, Soul Care, um, shout out to, to DK Tina, Isaac Deb for putting me on. and um, The commission. To that incredible, I know the commission, um, pushing forward uh, Dr. Rob's uh, amazing ministry. So he, he has this incredible book called Soul Care, all about just biblically-based inner healing, deliverance, and um, it's like these seven principles to a healthy soul all rooted in, in the word of God. And he stresses a lot how important it is for people to kind of counteract um, the struggles that they had in their past before salvation with new disciplines. And he said that an important discipline for those who have struggled with addiction is fasting. And I know for me, that has been really, really instrumental with my walk with the Lord to be able to control myself, you know, from saying like, no food for this yeah. set amount of time or there are even I, 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 I'm on a fast right now from Instagram you know like it's not a biblical fast necessarily but it's something that I found my heart to do because I was looking at that screen time on the app and I was like whoa like I really need to reclaim my time because exactly as you said pastor the thing that I was not managing was bringing me shame and I'm like I could be spending my time right now in this season focusing on this discipline getting this together sewing into this see right? that's smart see what yeah. she's doing is she's getting out of the permissible into yeah. what is more profitable, mm-hmm. which is a sign of maturity. So in less than two years, there's been a huge level of growth mm-hmm. and maturity. And one of the things that I find that God has done with me and with you and with people is that God will use our misunderstandings. Yeah. Uh, like, let's say, for example, you think, oh my God, I, got, I can't wear pants or whatever. You know, you get into this extreme thing, right? And But what God, what God uses that not that he gave you a misunderstanding he didn't but he'll use the misunderstanding to work in you not caring how people look at you because you look crazy but you don't care because you're at a point where like you don't care you want to honor god you want to please god and even if it's a little awkward at first like god uses that type of stuff um to, to do something in you and what is beautiful about jesus is that he would do so much with so little mm-hmm. um and so yeah and and you know running back to just what she's saying and what the scripture says is like the price that jesus paid for my body is his body mm-hmm. so misusing my body is devaluing his sacrifice mm-hmm. so it's really it's not a game yeah Here's a simple one as it comes to discipline. The d- discipline of your word. Just letting your yes be yes and your no be no. I think that's overlooked a lot of times. Yes. And even Matthew in Matthew 5, 35, he says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Let your yes be yes or no be no. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very important one. And that's a part of discipline, honoring the word, even if it's the smallest thing. And I think that's a healthy practice we should get into. Yep. And that's something that makes it grows character in the person who gives their word and follows through. And it breeds trust, which is essential to kingdom community. And the third thing is if you want to be a preacher of the word and you don't even keep your own word, yeah. that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's important. And I think too, sometimes that one of the one of the disciplines that helps that is not over committing and under delivering and not trying to do things simply just to be liked because many times you'll say yes to something that you really want to say no to so people like you yeah 
or because you have an unrealistic expectation of what you can do in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so th- sometimes that is also another another expression of self-control where you're slow to speak and and you're you're kind of like quick to observe like what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to commit to this? And I'm not or or am I not supposed to commit to this? And one of the things that I found is that the Lord is in our commitments if they're from him, yeah. if they're based on godly conviction, hearing the voice of God, that's a very, very important part of discipline. Um, again, without discipline, we disqualify ourselves. Um, without discipline, I'm saying this again, we can self uh, self destruct. Jesus said this, um, Matthew sixteen twenty four through twenty six. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself." take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it so the whole goal of oh i gotta find myself gotta find myself no you'll never find yourself if you don't lose yourself and if you don't lose yourself you'll never find him and finding him you lose yourself and you may desire him but if you don't deny yourself you cannot take up your cross Mm -hmm. So there has to be desire, and desire is the f- thing that fuels self-denial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you an example. Abraham Lincoln said, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Mm-hmm. I felt that recently. There was a watch that I wanted and one that I really wanted, mm-hmm. and one that was easier to obtain and cheaper, and I could have obtained it faster. And I had to continually resist it because of what I wanted more. And that may seem like, oh, that's not spiritual, but there's something there uh, that God does in our life, even in natural things, when we learn to say no to what we want now for what we want more. Yeah. yeah. It, it takes a more powerful person to say no to self than going out and grabbing something they want. That's a more powerful person. Yeah, I find, I was saying this, I think, to Jose one time, I find it's easier to buy 20 pairs of sneakers, <laughs> you know, because you, cause you get, you know, you, every once in a while you get one, every once in a while you get one, versus saving for something that is more valuable, um, even though it may not have eternal value. All right, for what is, this is one of, this Jesus talking, for what is, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So like, what would you trade your life for? Mm-hmm. That's what's at stake. Yeah, and that, that is what's at stake. And one of the things that's fascinating that you see with old people, like when they're getting ready to die, is they're not like, oh, I should have bought more stuff. Or they're like, oh man, I should have like worked longer hours. like. They, they they would do anything for more time, yeah. you know, because you don't die when you run out of money. You die when you run out of time. Mm-hmm. And I find that death is at work in our life. Every time we have the incorrect perspective and the incorrect priorities on a situation, mm-hmm. it's death working. Whether it's killing your time, trying to kill your money, trying to kill your relationships. Anytime the wrong priorities mm-hmm are there based upon the wrong perspective and the wrong desires, death is at work. 
And many times, like when the devil speaks, he doesn't introduce himself and say, hey, I'm the devil. Many times it's just him trying to, you know, distract us and, and sideswipe us. And But Jesus said again, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So this is a prerequisite before you can even take up a cross because you're going to have to deny yourself because a cross is not easy. A cross is public. It's painful. It's shameful. It leads to death. But in the kingdom, the way of life only comes through death. So it's like the seed that dies is the seed mm-hmm. that rises. So mm-hmm. it has to first die before resurrection can come forth. You can't resurrect something that's still living. No, and many times we're holding on to it instead of letting it go, mm-hmm. which is also letting go as an expression yeah. of death. And it's also an expression of self-control because we love control Mm -hmm. we want to be in control and one of the ways we relinquish control and we declare that god is in charge is by letting go whether it's finances whether it's whatever it is it's not just money but letting go sometimes we we try to we we try to hold on to a situation what what i found is that it's easy if your discernment is not mature to hold on when you should let go and let go when you should hold on yeah, and the same principle takes into effect in bitterness. Once you let go of bitterness, that's when yeah. you thrive. Yeah. yeah, and the nasty part about bitterness is it doesn't just defile you, it defiles the people that listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why that's why one of the things I've, I'm real sensitive to is who I listen to in terms of like preaching. Because if I'm listening to someone who's bitter, the revelation is unclean. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that is really contaminating um, that's why we really have to one of one of the great disciplines of the scripture is to really guard your heart and watch your propensities and and really um, cherish what you should hold on to and really release what you should not um, be engaging with. Now I'm going to give you some free here quotes from Jocko Willick, who is a Navy SEAL. He wrote a, an incredible book called Extreme Ownership. And uh, here's a few quotes from him, just something to think about. Discipline equals freedom. Discipline comes from within. And discipline will improve every area of your life. So our discipline is not within our own human strength or capacity, but it is by the Spirit. So I'm going to use discipline and self-control like in a synonymous way, right? The Holy Spirit is the one that gives me the ability and the power to have control over myself because I'm not in bondage, Mm. but I'm free. Free not to be controlled by God, but to have self-control from God. This is important. So if you look at self-control, it'll save your marriage. Self-control will protect your finances. Self-control will protect your relationships. Self-control will protect your legacy. Mm-hmm. Self-control. I can go on and on, yeah. but self-control is essential to having success in the kingdom. So what we're calling discipline, we could also call self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an Icelandic proverb. He who lives without discipline dies without honor. Oof. I mean, that hits. Um John Maxwell says this, most people want to avoid pain and discipline is usually painful. 
So in, in America, we have a pill to avoid any type of pain. I've been having some shoulder uh, discomfort because I overdid some dips. And I have resisted the urge to take any any medicine, any Advil, anything. Not that it's bad. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to feel the pain for the reason that the pain is an indicator that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find in our life. Pain, many times is an indicator or a notification. When it speaks to you, you have to pay attention to it because if you don't, it's gonna get worse. So I'm rehabbing it, I'm, I'm getting it active, I'm not over abusing it or misusing it. And I'm not against all medicine, I wanna be clear, people who think I'm crazy. But I would go natural as much as I could without having to rely on something that I don't wanna uh, continue to use. And if you know, if you took an Advil, I'm not mad at you, but I'm just saying I resisted the urge to do that um, because I wanted to allow the pain to tell me what it is that's wrong. Okay, here's Arnold Schwarzenegger on pain. The pain you feel today will be the strength you feel tomorrow. Mm. So that seems natural, but there's, there's an element to that of what I learned is foolish choices feel good Mm-hmm. And pain and and wise choices are painful. You know, many times we we make bad choices for ourselves to try to fit in or impress people, and I and I realize that that that's not really wise. And if you have friends that care about you, they will not try to force you into something that's not good for you. You gotta get you know, that fear of man out of you. Yeah, you gotta get that fear of man out yeah, of you. Yeah. You know, because let's say we're going to a hundred dollar a plate restaurant and you're really struggling, you know, financially. You don't go and put that on your credit card. Mm-hmm. You just say two things. I'm a little tight financially, guys. I don't think I'm gonna be able to go. Mm-hmm. Or you get a salad. Yeah. And you suck it up. But 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 going and just spending and hurting yourself to fit in with people that may not even know. And and a lot of times if people know, some guys will say, you know, we'll throw 20 in it, man, and you're good, bro. Like, you know, because we've been there. Like people, we know, I mean. But it's that pride. Yeah, it's that pride (laughs) and that desire. And it's like sometimes we do stuff that's bad for us, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not, it's not, it's not good. Here's another one, Jim Rohn. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. Mm, That's good. So to what I find is that any area in my life where I apply discipline, right? And I'm talking about consistent accountability type discipline, it gets better. Mm-hmm. I have very rarely, this is just me, maybe I'm you know extra dense, I don't know. But I do not really see my life naturally just getting better in areas that I don't apply discipline. Like, I'll give you an example. When I paid debt, it really hit me and I learned a really important lesson that I think was the foundation of me being wealthy one day. Mm. Because that's how stupid this, like this was dumb. Uh, and so I, me and my wife sat down and she wasn't mad at me because, you know, I didn't do anything behind her back. It was just, the season of life and you know a series of not wise choices so i what i did is i took an excel spreadsheet out and i listed all the debts and i said i assume responsibility for this debt i have debt 
debt doesn't have me. Mm-hmm. And I put it on my, my, you know, my screen, like as my, um, what do you call it? It's wallpaper. Wallpaper. I put it so that like, you know, when I open my computer, it's there. Mm-hmm. Right. And it lived in my laptop, not in my heart. Mm. And then what I did was, when I had money, I would consider that, and I would get aggressive with that, and I would celebrate the wins, and I'd pay the littlest one first, and I'd pay the next littlest one, and all of a sudden now, and my friend Abner prophesied to me, and he had been telling me for a long time, I was just dumb. He was telling me, bro, when you make an effort to pay your debt, your finances are gonna increase. What I learned is that debt, not always, but often is a character issue. It's hard to say that. Not always. Sometimes people fall into to real difficult situations, and I don't want to seem insensitive to that. But I'm telling you, eight out of ten times, it's a character issue. I know that was. It's a character that issue. Was definitely and the Lord asked me, how, how long are you going to keep giving your future away? Hmm. And how long is MasterCard going to be your master? And he was really, how long is Chase going to chase you? <laughs> you know, and, and so... I, I learned this the hard way, but I felt like that lesson was the foundation mm. of God also showing me things mm. in my life. And I'll tell you what was also attached to the debt, self-bitterness, self-bitterness. Mm. So if I don't have a healthy relationship with myself, I cannot have a healthy relationship with money. Yeah. If I do not have a healthy relationship with myself, I cannot have a healthy relationship with anything I manage. Mm. Nothing, because I'm not healthy. And what I find is that step one is healing. Um, Really, confession is step one. Repentance is step two. Healing is step three. And humility and accountability is step four. And step five is discipline. Discipline, you know, when when I wanted to pay my debt, you know what I did? I gave one of my credit cards to one of my buddies. He had money. He was, you know, a solid guy. He's not going to go on a crack binge with my credit card. And because I wanted help and I wanted to become accountable, and that's what I did. And so I find that anyone who really wants help becomes accountable. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm not sure if this has helped you, but I pray that you would have strength from the Holy Spirit to have self-control and to have godly success in your life in your family, and in your future. In Jesus' name. Amen. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.